Let's receive this, the word together for the last time in 2023. We're in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who called the zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Let's pray. Oh, God, Father, Father, you're so thankful for today. We just pray that you will mold our hearts, that you will open them to receive your word through your spirit today, God. We thank you for this body who comes together to worship you each and every Sunday, Lord. Be with us today. Move beyond the words of a jackleg like Jarrett and speak through your spirit today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I apologize in advance if I get a little emotional today. It's probably going to happen. But welcome to the final Sunday of 2023. What a year it's been, but we're so glad you're here today to to wrap up the year and wrap up our study this year in the book of Luke. We got a long way to go, but we're done in 2023 because there's no more days left, right? So we've been studying Luke since August, so we're five months in. We've only got what, 17, 18 more months to go, so hang in there. We'll get there eventually, Lord willing. And I'm the final J, the last J that separates us from the bald-headed wonder coming back next week, thank you. And Johnny and Jim said amen, right? That's right, that's right, he's coming back, Woo! But it's no coincidence that this is my scripture today. The Lord's ordained it, and so we will travel through it together. 
But before we get started, let's just remind where we've been in our study through the, through the book of Luke. When we started in August, we saw that Luke was directing this book to Theophilus, right? So that we would have certainty concerning what we read and what they have been taught in this book. And so, for the past couple of weeks, we've been journeying through Jesus' public ministry since chapter 4. And we've seen Jesus travel and teach and preach, and he's healed all kinds of people. He's drove out demons. And then uh, about three weeks ago, Johnny kind of walked us through the old wineskins and the new wineskins, kind of what Jesus was doing. And then three weeks ago, Jim elaborated on kind of why he was doing that. And today we're going to look at who he is doing that for. So, nonetheless, let's jump into the scriptures and see what God has in store for us today. Through my studies this week, I have been feeling the weight of taking all that you get when you study the word and trying to condense it down. And in the scripture, it's what I would argue is very direct. Like it's pretty straightforward. There's, it says what it says. But it's also very complex in that there's probably eight different sermons you could derive from 12 verses of scripture we have today. So it's my goal to hopefully kind of go through this really quickly. And that's the famous pastor's last words, right? So that means we're all going to be really late. So hopefully, hopefully we can move through that pretty quickly. So we're going to look at three key events in the scripture. And as I took Barb's spiritual gifts class back in October, it was revealed to me that my number one gift was exhortation. Some of you, uh, what in the world is that? I had to look it up. It means to be a strong encouragement. I like to think I'm pretty good at encouraging people. So today I'm going to, I've called this my exhortation to 2024. Okay. We're here at the end of the year. We're about to roll over to a new year. Here's some things in here that I have read and studied that believe and believe that they um, encourage me. And so it is my hope and prayer that it will encourage us as a corporate body and you individually as we move into the new year of 2024. So let's get started. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer. Raise your hand if you have spent all night in prayer. Yeah, me either. There's a lot of, lot of sermons on one verse of scripture right here. For two chapters now, we've been examining the public ministry. Chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. Jesus has been going about and teaching. And this is probably the third, fourth time that he has recused himself and stepped aside to go and commune with the Father. If we are to be conformed into the image of our creator in 2024, we must follow his example. It is imperative that we are devoted to a life of prayer. We must devote ourselves corporately as a body 
and individually, at homes, with our families, we must be devoted to prayer. There are three things I want to look at here in this one verse of Scripture and how that applies to our devotion to prayer in the coming year. First one, he went out to the mountain. You want to circle on your Bible? You want to circle the word mountain. Why did he go out to the mountain? He needed to be in solitude. Jesus is a pretty famous guy, right? We'll get here in verse 17 in a little bit. He's a pretty famous guy. People, word is spreading. People know who he is, and people are always coming to see him. He, he knew no leisure. If it was daytime, people were coming. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to learn from his teaching. They were seeking him to be in his presence. So Jesus had to get away, to get away from people, to be in solitude, so he could focus and commune with his Father. That applies to us today. We have to get away. We have to find some time where it's just you and the Father and plead with him and talk with him and grow in your relationship with him. Number two, all night, or we'll just say night. Notice the time of the day that he went. Nighttime was the only time he could get away. He was the only time he could get away from people. Everybody's coming to see him during the day. They wanted something from him. They were seeking something from him. So, common sense, he had to. What was he, what was he, he said in uh, Luke chapter 1? He came to proclaim the kingdom of God. When are people awake during the day? So he's going about, he's teaching, he's healing, he's preaching. All during the daytime. The only time that worked in his schedule at this time was the nighttime. Same logic applies to us today. Find the time that works for you. Find a time in your day, parents, where you don't have kids coming up to you needing a snack or drink every five seconds. Abhi, hey, do. I don't know when that's going to be for you, okay? <laughs> but find a time where you can be alone and it works in your schedule and you can sit and commune with the Father. It's imperative in your daily walk that we seek him in prayer. Thirdly, he prays to God. How often do we come to a time of prayer and we just kind of flippantly throw our request up in the air? Like, do we really sit and take the time to get ourselves in a mental state to where we realize that we are in a one-on-one conversation with the creator of the universe. This is a real conversation as if I was sitting here talking to Cole right now about his baseball workouts in the winter. It's a real conversation. It's not just a flippant request that we hope it lands at the Father's feet. It is a real conversation where we take it to him, he hears it, he's listening, and he wants to be there with us. It's important. In 2024, 
I implore us as a church body and as individuals that we make prayer and time with the Lord a priority in our life. We must do that to grow in our faith with him. Later on, we'll see in Luke chapter 18, Jesus teaches his disciples through a parable about persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Make it a priority in your life. Paul writes in Philippians 4 and verse 6. You guys all heard this verse a lot. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It is an integral walk in our Christian faith. Church, let's be marked by prayer in 2024. And lastly, notice the timing of the prayer, right? Just as Jim and Johnny have walked us through the last two times, Jesus has been battling with the Pharisees, right? He's had a couple altercations with them where they're challenging his authority. I like to think that he is somewhere in that conversation with the Lord. He's like, hey, God, these guys don't get it. Please, why do I have to keep dealing with them? It's kind of like a conversation I have with Jessica about three times a week during the school year when she's teaching kindergarten. You know, it's like, these kids, they don't get it. Lord have mercy, help them. And then, not only is he seeking help, probably, is what I think, but he's about to go and choose the 12. I think Jesus has a sense of humor sometimes, because, like, we all got one, right? Surely he's saying, you want me to go choose those guys? Like, those knuckleheads? That's what you want? In 2024... Let's be marked by a devotion to prayer. Let's keep going. Verse 13. When day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, And Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. If you remember a few weeks back, Troy, when when Jesus called the first disciples out of the boats, he walked through what a disciple was. Disciple means a learner, a student. In those days, these disciples were dedicated to their rabbi, their leader. They were listening, they were learning, they were walking in the ways of what they were being taught. And Jesus has called these disciples, and the crowds continue. There's more disciples being added by day as he's traveling. People are believing. They're placing their trust in him, and the number is growing. So he comes down, or he finishes his prayer, and he comes down, and he chooses 12 whom he named apostles. Apostles, the old word apostolos, meaning one who was sent. A disciple can be an apostle, but he's not always an apostle, but an apostle is always a disciple, right? The difference between the apostles and the disciples was the authority that they were given. Later on, we'll see in um, 
chapter 11, I think is what it is. We'll get there eventually. But it says, Jesus sent out the apostles and gave them full authority to drive out demons and to heal. So he chooses these 12 and gives them the same authority that he has to go and change the world and build his church. Ephesians 2 and verse 20, Paul writes that the church was built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So it's safe to say that the reason our church exists today is because the early work of these 12 men. They're from all different backgrounds, working together through the grace of Christ to build the kingdom of God. I wish we had time to kind of dive in all 12 of them, but for time's sake, we're not going to do that. So I'll just give you a few things about it. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they're the first four. They're always listed as the first four throughout Scripture. People will believe you to believe that that is the inner circle. They were positions of leadership within the groups of the 12. We have two sets of brothers, James and John, and Peter and Andrew. You have two Simons, Simon Peter, Simon Zealot. So you'd be like, you know, when you're on the playground picking, picking your team in elementary school and you got one Simon, two Simons. Hey, I want that Simon. No, no, not that one, this one. We want that one. Nope, not, nope, yep, that one, okay? So we got two Simons, and we got two Judases. And also, only by the grace of God could Simon Peter, the guy who gave the great proclamation of who Jesus was when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And he says, Lord, you are the Christ. And then later on, when the night of Jesus' death, he's asked three times, hey, weren't you the one that was there with him? And he denies him three times. Only by the grace of God can that guy, Simon Peter, be called the rock, the one that Christ was going to build his church on. Also, only by God's divine grace could he take Matthew, also known as Levi, a tax collector whose sole purpose was to raise money for the Roman government and put him in a close circle with Simon the Zealot. If you don't know what the Zealots are, they were a Jewish uprising of people whose sole purpose was to overthrow the Roman government. So you have one guy who's trying to build up the Roman government and you have another guy who's trying to tear it down And Christ brings them together and says, hey, let's go and build my church. Only by God's divine grace can that happen. And then only by the authority of the Lord can they take Judas Iscariot and take his betrayal and use it to redeem his people. That's how good God is. And just like the Lord was going to use those 12 people to build the church, if you're a covenant partner with this church, 
He has ordained you to be a part of our body for this season of life to help build his church. So my second exhortation for you is if you are a partner in this church in 2024, may you dive in, may you plug in, and get an even deeper relationship with each of your covenant partners, and let's continue the work of the apostles and the prophets and build the God's church. Let's build the kingdom of God so that we can build a church that outlasts us all. That we can continue to set a foundation here at Larry Lake Road in the community of Northport that not only impacts us now, but impacts all the kids up here, all the kids down here, and every one of those kids over there. May we all dig in and work together and build the kingdom of God for his glory in 2024. Verse 17. And he came down with them, the twelve, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him to be healed of their diseases and to those who were troubled with unclean spirits cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Notice there, 18 and 19, this seems to be a current theme, common theme in, in Luke. Does anybody remember what Luke is? Who Luke is? What is? What's his profession? He's a doctor, right? Notice he's always sure to let us know that people are being healed. I think that goes back to the certainty of things that he was writing to Theophilus. He's always sure to point out that people are being healed because he was a doctor. He knew what, was, knew what he was talking about. So we have a map here just to see, you know, it says, hey, a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. So here's a picture from somebody, uh, you know, that knows what they're talking about, not me. Sidon's way up there, Tyre, and then Jerusalem, all the way down here, all coming to the area of Galilee, right? That's a pretty big area. Word's gotten out. People are coming. They're coming to see Jesus because they want to be healed. They have a temporal need that they're trying to get taken care of. So word has gotten out. There is a great multitude. So we have three groups of people now. We have the 12. We have a great crowd of disciples. We have a great multitude of people. And this kind of sets the scene for where we're going with the Beatitudes. It's a very common, very... um, Famous, not common, but famous sermon that Jesus has preached. Some of you may remember when we went through a version of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew back when we were in elementary school. So now we are going to embark on Luke's more condensed version. And it's quite possible that this is just a totally different sermon than what we see in Matthew. You can go in Matthew, there are nine Beatitudes or blessings. Here in Luke, we will see four blessings, but in direct contrast to that, you will see four woes. We're not going to get into the woes. That is for Troy next week. Thank goodness. 
But just because there are some differences between this version of the sermon and Matthew's version doesn't mean that they're contradictory, all right? They can be different but still speak of the blessings of the Lord. So, and we'll just say that because that's what John Piper said. So if John Piper said it, we'll take it to the bank, okay? So, here we reach the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, another word for blessing or to be blessed, or I said blessed, I just can't get it. That's the Southern Baptist in me, I guess, growing up. You know, you always want to put the, the extra pronunciation on blessed instead of blessed. But to be blessed doesn't necessarily mean happy, right? It involves happiness, but it doesn't mean, hey, be happy. I love the way that R.C. Sproul describes it. He said, when the Bible pronounces blessing, it doesn't mean be happy. It means, and listen to this closely, may you understand in the depths of your soul, in the deepest chamber of your heart, the sweetness of the presence of God as you live before him in every moment. That's what biblical blessing is. That's what it means to be blessed by the Lord. So, let's dive into these four blessings. And he lifted his eyes on his disciples, circled the word disciples, Notice we have three groups of people, right? The apostles, the great multitude of disciples, and then just the great multitude of people that are just there, right? So he is speaking to his disciples, people who are learning, placing their trust. They believe what he's saying. They're following him in their lives, true followers of Jesus, his disciples. And he said, blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. That's totally the opposite of what we see in our culture today, right? And was totally opposite of what they had in their culture. We see people who are poor, who economically they just don't have what others may have and a lot of times we may think that it's because of something they've done or maybe they don't go to work or whatever. But we automatically sometimes just kind of look down on them. And that was the same way back then. A lot of times they thought, hey, just because they were poor, they didn't have things that they had done something to offend God. And it doesn't mean that everybody who is poor is blessed. Remember, he's only speaking to his disciples, the ones who believe. Those are the ones that are blessed when they are poor. Because look at what it says, for yours is the kingdom of God. If you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus, regardless of what you have here, as far as economic status and riches and all that, if you are placing your hope and trust in the Lord, you are 
blessed. Whether you have a lot or you have a little, it doesn't matter because we have the kingdom of God. It's ours. Listen to what Paul wrote in Galatians. Just so happened a friend sent this to me this week. 4 and verse 7. And when I read this verse, you guys who were in the theater with us, I can remember Dolan Davis preaching this exact passage. And Dolan used to sit on a stool because, you know, he's about 8 foot tall. and He's got big, long arms. He's leaning over the... And he's just emphatically teaching this. And I can just see it right now. He said, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Right here, verse 7. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. An heir to the throne. To the kingdom of God. It is yours. Regardless of what you have here on this earth. It's yours. And then I can't help but think about what is to come, right? The New Jerusalem in Revelation 21. Sounds, sounds pretty awesome. Sounds like uh, pretty rich. Walls are built of jasper. The city was pure gold and like glass, and the foundations of the walls are adorned with every kind of jewel. It's a pretty nice inheritance that we get one day, that we all get to be together and receive the kingdom of God in its full entirety. In 2024, may we be filled with hope for that future. Verse 21. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Because of where we are in our country, in America, the United States, it's safe to say that none of us have really experienced true hunger. I mean, we live in a world today that where we can pull out our smartphones, we can get on the Chick-fil-A app Monday through Saturday, you can have Chick-fil-A at your door in about 10 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. But we don't really understand what true hunger is. But in those days, and even in third world countries today, there are still people who may go on no food at all or like one lone piece of bread for the day. They experience a true hunger. Sometimes I force myself to go into a true hunger, it feels like. For instance, Jessica and I are going to go on a date night sometimes, right? One of our favorite places to go is De Palma's. Oh, so good. Scott keeps wanting me to get the filet. I will never get the filet at De Palma's. I can't do it. But on those days when it's a date night, I'm not going to eat all day. I'm not going to eat all day because I know it's date night. I'm about to just... I'm going to throw down into palms. Give me all the bread. Give me all the baked feta, the pasta. Sorry, Kelsey, no bread pudding for me. But I'm going to eat until I am miserably full. Miserably full. So full that when we're walking back to the car, it's like, hey, baby, I am so full. I don't even want to hold your hand. Let's just walk and go get in the car. 
I don't even know if the seatbelt's going to fit this time, right? Like, I'm full. I'm miserable. But the crazy thing is, what happens the next day, right? We go to bed, we sleep, we wake up hungry again. It's a fleeting, fleeting fullness from all the food. We're hungry again. We're never fully satisfied. We continue to want more and more because we can't get enough. It says one day we'll all be satisfied. One day there will be no more hunger. We'll just come to the wedding feast and there'll be plenty of us to eat and we'll be completely satisfied for all eternity. Disciples, you are blessed. You are blessed. Everything's light and momentary, right? This world, everything is light and momentary. Paul, 2 Corinthians, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Blessed are you who hunger, for you will be satisfied. May we hope in that in 2024. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. It's no secret. The shepherds have done some weeping this year. More than we ever could imagine. Quite frankly, we've been in a state of weeping probably since January 6, 2021. My father went to be heaven, went to be to heaven, went to be in heaven with Jesus. Because on May 21st, when we had Eden service, my mother tallied it up. From my dad to that day, we had We had experienced eight funerals of close family, uncles, aunts, cousins, eight. Not to mention, that's just my mom and dad's side. Then you take Jessica's family. There was another three or four added to that. And then we experienced that great loss. And we have weeped and we have cried more than we ever thought was possible. But to add to it, October 14th, Evie's birthday, Miss Judy's mama went to be with Jesus. She was 91 years old. She was a fantastic lady. She loved the Lord with all her heart. And she got to go home. And then two weeks ago, we celebrated my sister-in-law's mother's homecoming. Dementia had gotten hold of her body, but guess what? She's got a new body now. And we have weeped 
and we have cried and we have longed for the day when all things will be made new. And that has never been more real than it has been the last seven months. One day, there will be no more crying. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more pain. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more and neither will there be crying or pain for the former things have passed away. Jessica and I were actually talking about this last night because we were crying. We've been going through a book with Jim and Kelly the last three or four months. We've, we became readers. We've got all kinds of books over the summer. But this book has spoken to our hearts more than any of the, outside of the Bible, than any other book. It's called Seasons of Sorrow. It's written by a pastor who lost his 20-year-old son who just fell over unexpectedly and died when he was in seminary, when he was in school. His name is Tim Chalice, the pastor. Did I say that right, Kelly? It's a phenomenal book. If you have experienced loss, I cannot recommend it enough. If you don't have it, let me know. I'll get it for you. It is the most theologically sound book concerning the loss of a loved one that you could ever come across. It's amazing. And Jessica was reading it and crying because the reality of it is this year has sucked. There's no other way to describe it. And as bad as we want to forget about it, to be honest, we really don't want to go forward to 2024 without her. And we don't know how we're going to do it. If it was left up to us, we wouldn't be able to do it. But God, rich in his mercy, died for us. He opened our eyes. He brought us into his family. He created us to be disciples in his family. And we place our hope and trust in him. And we know that he will see us through. It wasn't long. It may have been the week after the service. Eddie Elmore text me a song and it immediately went to we have a Spotify playlist, Eden Lauren it's got all the songs that we sang in our service that we sang one and we're going to sing another one in a minute and it went right on that playlist Stephen McWhirter, the song is Come Jesus Come, if you haven't heard it man it's a phenomenal song maybe Andrew will learn to play it one day, I don't know we'll see but listen to the lyrics Come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you return to heal every hurt and right every wrong. We need you right now to come and turn this around. Listen to this. Deep down, I know this world isn't home. Praise God. Come. Jesus, come. In 2024, 
may we as a church body hope for the day when all things are made new. A lot of you have this pink bracelet. It's probably a lot more pink than mine. We wear this every day. Yes, it has Eden's name on it. Yes, it reminds us of her. But more importantly, it's got Romans 15, 13 on it. Because we're reminded how much we love her. But we're reminded that this is not it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that you may abound in hope. Church, may we abound in hope for the future where the day will come when there will be no more pain. There will be no more death. There will be no more tears. And we will all sit around together and we'll smile and we'll laugh and we'll worship the God of the universe for all eternity. May we long for that day in 2024. Verse 22. My last exhortation. To stand firm for truth. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Underline that in your Bible. On the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. There are a lot of people in this world who are hated, excluded, reviled. Quite frankly, just because they're terrible people. But when you are excluded or reviled and people make fun of you and they hate you on the account of the Son of Man because you have put your trust in Him and you're working to live your life in a way that pleases His holiness, man, blessed are you, disciple. Blessed are you. Rejoice in that day. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. When I read Leap for Joy, I can't help but think. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is where my mind goes. I'm sorry. I blame it on my sister-in-law. You think of a little baby goat, right? When they're running around, they're just jumping all over the place, and they look real silly. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Like, who cares? Leap. Be excited. Be rejoice that somebody looks at you and says you're different. And it's because of Christ, and they turn and go the other way. They despise you. Rejoice in that day. Continue to live your life in a way that causes more and more people to go. Man, that's different. Man, that's different. In 2024, may we be a church that stands for truth. In a world today, specifically, I mean, there are more and more churches that are being influenced by culture instead of the church influencing the culture, right? 
May that never be said about Safe Haven Church. May we continue to preach the truths of the gospel, preach the truths of the word, and we set ourselves apart. And when somebody says, I hate you because we're doing that, may we all rejoice and high-five and hug and smile and celebrate on that day. Because you know what? Our reward's great in heaven, right? And that day's coming. That day's coming. So as we wrap up today, and we wrap up 2023, let me encourage you. Because 2023, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say has been one of the hardest years in our short 12, 13 year history of our church. I don't recall where our pastor has taken a full month break because it's been pretty tough, right? I mean, I think that's safe to say. Praise God he's coming back next week. <laughs> but it's been extremely hard and we've all, if you got your letter that we sent out this week, we've all grieved together. We've all rejoiced together. We've shared meals together. May we continue to do that. But let me encourage you that we be modeled by prayer, that we be devoted to this body, that we gather together, that we rub shoulders together, that we spur each other on each and every week to continue to live for the kingdom of God every single day. May we live our lives in a way that we hope. Remember at our service for Eden, I said hope was to expect with confidence, right? Biblical hope is we know it's going to happen and we just long for that day to happen. May we live our lives in a way that we look towards the hope of the future and we stand firm on those truths. So to close it up, if you're an unbeliever in the room, you heard this and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't really understand. Or Finally, the Lord has opened your eyes and revealed those things to you. Here's the truth of the matter. We just celebrated Christmas last week, right? The reason for Christmas, Christ came. He was born. We're celebrating his birth, right? The truth is, Jesus was born to die. God sent his son to die on the cross so that we can follow in him, we can place our trust in him, and one day we can join him in worship for all of eternity. If the Lord has revealed that to you today, repent from your sin, place your trust in Jesus, and on the authority of Scripture, the Bible says you will be saved. Make today be the day of your salvation and start fresh and anew. Make today be the day to the believers, to the disciples in the room. As I was studying this, I couldn't help but think of Johnny Eubanks' sermon from this summer, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Don't tell Troy this. It was the first sermon that ever made me cry at Safe Haven. And I'm not just talking about like tears just, you know, barely rolling down my face. 
like I was sitting back right over here about where Kelsey and Lance are. And all I could do was sit, cover my mouth, because I didn't want to interrupt from all the sobbing that I was doing. Listen to the scripture from that day. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't lose heart, safe haven. As we move forward into a new year, let us run our race with endurance. May we chase after Jesus every day in 2024. And lastly, as the band comes back up, I just couldn't get past an old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Happy New Year, safe haven. Be blessed. Not because of what you've done or what you think you can do. Be blessed because you are his. You belong to Jesus. Be blessed. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much. Thank you so much for 2023. bad as it was. We know that there is hope for what is to come. And may we be mindful of the hope we have in you and what is to come each and every single day as we move forward as a church body. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the hope we have in him. His name we pray.